Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this morning, uh, if you guys want to flip there. We're, the next six weeks, uh, we're going to dive into our core values, what um, City Light is about, what uh, Southwest, City Light Southwest Iowa is here for. And so the next six weeks, I hope, aren't um, uh, more of a, of a teaching or an information time, but, but a place where God knits hearts and passions together. That it's a time and a season where we go, okay, this is, this is what we're about. This is the purpose we exist for. And as we open up Scripture, you're going to see that we didn't invent anything, that we're not making anything up. In fact, we're finding our mission and our vision in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where that's cemented. That's where that's anchored. And in fact, if, um, as we look at the mission and vision, um, we'll find that um, everything has a purpose. Everybody exists for a purpose, whether that purpose is meaningless or it actually is meaningful. Um, I'm reminded of a movie I watched when I was a, a teenager. Um, it's called Tommy Boy. Anybody ever seen this movie? Tommy Boy? A few of you? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I have a very immature sense of humor, and so I love that movie, right? A few of you nodding your head. Yeah, you have a very immature sense of humor, right? Some of you have been prank called by us, and so, um, and that's been recorded and put on the internet. And so we just enjoy very immature practical jokes, sense of humor, and I, I, there's so many scenes in that movie that I still remember, like when Chris Farley's like, it, it, it doesn't hurt so much right here or right here, but right here really hurts, and, and there's another scene where he's wearing a coat, and he's saying, you know, fat guy in a little, see, some of you guys, you don't appreciate this show like I do, right? Uh, I love it. I, I drove a Taurus, and every time I got out of that car, I would, I, that went through my head. I would say, big guy in a little car. I just felt awkward getting out of it. And so I, I appreciate that movie. And those of you who remember, um, that movie started off with a young man who was living a meaningless life. He uh, was in college for like 10 years. He didn't have any sense of purpose. And then his father passed. And suddenly, when his father passed, it had this this clarifying moment in his life, and he, he went back home, if you guys remember. And he went back home, and he tried to save a factory. And so he fought to save a factory, um, and he, he, in that moment, began to get a sense of mission, a sense of purpose in his life. If a person doesn't have a mission or purpose in life, they live that meaningless life where they're just aimlessly wandering. And so the first part of that movie is actually somewhat biblical, and that until we come to this clarifying death, because Scripture says we die to ourselves, right? And when we die to ourselves, uh, we're then given the life of Jesus Christ. We're given a mission and a sense of purpose. And so the reason we want to unpack our mission and purpose is so that we don't live like Tommy Boy and kind of wonder aimlessly what do we exist for. But we want to have a sense of purpose. We want to have a, a mission, and we want to be people who are hopeful and have a vision for that mission. Does that, that make sense? And so we're going to see in the book of Acts today, that's where our mission and our vision is grounded. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Tracy already read it, but I want to reread it again. So what we have here is the church is uh, just been founded, right? Jesus has just hung on the cross 40 days previous. The Holy Spirit's just been poured out on the church of the day of Pentecost. And now we have this experience after 3,000 people come to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's this descriptive that's said of them. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their day 
day by day, those who were being saved. So our mission here at City Life is to multiply disciples and multiply churches. And so there's a way that we structure ourselves in order to do that. As we're reading this, the first thing we see is that they gathered in the temple. Do you guys see that? So the church is gathering in a public space, much like we are here today. And I don't feel like I have to belabor the point because you guys are here today. And so we, we get the structured around the, 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 the gathered worship. And so when we gather, we gather around the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. We sing songs, we praise, we preach Jesus Christ. We believe that apart from Jesus Christ, man is separated from God. And so as we looked at last week, the gospel has this natural way to stir our hearts, to compel us to go. And so we want to live our lives in such a way that we're compelled to gather. One of the ways we know practically that Jesus Christ loves us, that our Father in heaven is providing for us, is that he's given us people to gather with. And so we gather in a public space. We see this here where they gathered day by day, attending the temple. Now, it's a little bit different because they actually went to church every day um, in some regard, but it's a public space. Does that make sense? So our, praise, our, our faith isn't just a private faith. I remember I was talking to somebody about um, Jesus Christ, and they said, well, you know, religion is a private matter. And I said, not my religion, not my faith. My belief in Jesus Christ is anything but private. My re- it is private in some sense, but it becomes public. And so we gather here to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. So we believe in order to multiply disciples, the church has to gather. Does that make sense? That's pretty simple. You guys get it. Like, we know. We're here. Move on. Point B, right? <laughs> so keep, keep going. So we, we believe that we should gather, that Jesus Christ has blessed us. He gives lives. The second part that we see here in verse 40, 46 is that they were breaking bread in their homes. Now, if I can lean in a little bit here, this is the part where our faith starts to invite our life a little bit. If we're honest, it's pretty easy to come to church, gather with the church on Sundays for an hour, and then go home. That's not a high commitment, if we're honest. An hour a week, that's not asking a lot. If Stephanie said, all I want you to do is one hour a week, show me you love me, is clean around the house for one hour a week, help with the kids for one hour a week, I would be like, man, that is ecstatic because that is easy, right? But if I get an hour off a day, then, then things are going well. And so it's the flip side. So if we're honest, to gather in our homes becomes an invasion of our life. It becomes something where we start to go, this faith in Jesus Christ is actually in totality. So we gather here to worship, right? We believe that you don't start and stop an act of worship. So we live a life that's bent towards worship, that exalts the risen sun, and as we go throughout the week, we naturally will gather with those whom we love. And so we don't start and stop worship. If you walk out these doors today and you say, I have concluded my worship of Jesus Christ, what you are saying is he's no longer worthy of my time outside of this space. And so our worship of Jesus Christ never start and stops. Does that make sense? So we believe he is worthy of our entire life, that he laid down his life and now offers to us something that's good and better, and he offers something to us 
that is meaningful and pretty practical. That is people who love us during the week. So one of the reasons we gather during the week very practically is to know and see the love of Jesus Christ revealed in our life. We want to see people that are impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that they feel like they have a family. Does that make sense? Like not just a family that you meet once a year at a reunion, but a family where you actually, when they call, you answer their phone. And when they knock on the door, you actually answer the door. And you're excited that they're there. Like that's our hope, very practically, is that we would go throughout the week. Now this is something I'm kind of leaning on a little bit here because this isn't something our culture in our area has quite picked up yet. We get the Sunday gathering. But we haven't necessarily elevated that Monday or that Tuesday act of worship, that Wednesday act of worship, to the same level as Sunday. If we're honest, we're seeing one of those less than. And what we're saying at City Light is both of those are the same. That you don't worship Jesus more on Monday than you did on Sunday. That when you gather with the church on Tuesday, that's not more meaningful than when you gathered on Sunday. What we're saying is this. We expect the church to scatter during the week together. Does that make sense? Now, some of you are like, man, this is starting to get a little heavy. You're invading my private space. My Tuesday is my Tuesday. Leave it alone. That's my card night. That's my whatever night. And what I'm saying is yes. Jesus is worthy to invade that space. But what I'm saying is this, is if you're not letting Jesus into that space, there's a practical reason, if we're honest, and it's called sin. And so the reason we don't want Jesus into our private life is because then what happens is his light shines into an area of our life that we would rather him not see. And so not letting people into our private space is something where we run to the Father and we say, Jesus, there's a reason why I don't want people into my home. Like one of the lies that Satan will tell us is that your home isn't clean enough. Like when is a house ever clean enough? Or your car isn't clean enough? Is it, is it, or it's not nice enough? Or your garage isn't nice enough? And all of those are lies that bleed, feed into some insecurities that come from something that we need to run to the Father with. And we can trust that the church loves us unconditionally. So when they come into our private lives and into our space and into our time, they're not walking into our homes because it's a nice space. They're walking into our homes because they love us and they care about us. And they hardly even notice that our house was messy, right? How many of you guys know, I've been in several of your houses, I don't know the color of your walls, right? I mean, when you think about it, like we're there for, we're there for each other. And so until that, that scattered aspect takes root, the mission can't be lived out during the week. Does that make sense? Jesus has sent us into the community, and we believe that you're not being sent in isolation, but you're being sent as a body of Christ. And so the people who are sitting next to you here today are the same people who are going to go with you on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday. Now here's the next step, the next progression, is the gathering doesn't have to be a formal structure of the church. Like we have city groups, that's what we call them. And we, our hope is that each of you guys would have a city group. You'd have a family to belong to is what we say. But my hope is this, that your gathering happens more organically. That you're like, hey, why don't we go grab dinner on Friday night? Why don't you guys come over to our house Saturday morning? Why don't you come over on Monday night? Or how about I just come over to your house without you even knowing? And here I am. My hope as a pastor to see that happen. 
to say, hey, they're actually a family who loves each other. They're encouraged by one another. They're being built up by one another. Because here's the thing. You know what Jesus says, how he says the gospel will be made known? Yes, it's by preaching, but we see that the gospel is actually made known in John uh, 13, 35. I have to flip there. I want to read it from the Bible. It says this. And a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Do you see that? It's visible. How can people see that we love one another if we're only gathered here? Do you see the necessity of being gathered out there? Somehow, some way, our love is made manifest in such a way that people look at it and say, man, that's love. Because what we believe is that sin alienates us not only from God, not only has Jesus brought us back into fellowship with the, with the Father, but sin also alienates us from one another. So the only meaningful relationships that can exist are those that exist between Jesus Christ. And the testimony that we can have for the world is to say that that sin is broken and no more, and there is a loving relationship. Do you know what love is? Love is eternal. Love can't be broken. God is love, right? And so we're testifying to the world of this new relationship we have with the Father, of this relationship with Jesus Christ, by loving one another. And so we're going to lean in to each other's personal time and space. So I can have an expectation of you that you would love me on Mondays and Tuesdays just as much as you love me on Sundays. And you can have an expectation of me that I would love you the same. Does that make sense? So Jesus invades our private space. So we, we are structured on the corporate gathering here, and we're structured on the private gathering there. So there's a public and a private life. And so we're going to push, we're going to lean in, invite and pull, because we don't want you to miss out on a gift that Jesus is trying to give you. If I can say this very practically, one of the things I have found is there comes a point in a person's life where they can hit a maturity ceiling. Think of it like a teenager who doesn't want to move out, or an adult who never moves out. There's something about when you move out and you start paying your own bills that the weight and reality of the world hits you, and you kind of look back and you go, man, my parents did so much more than I knew they did when you start paying your own bills, right? You moved out. You started taking care of yourself. And so there's something that happens when we move out of this space and into this world where we start seeing Jesus' love revealed to us in such a way that we've never seen before when we have to trust in his word, and that gets lived out. We hit the ceiling. If this is all, if this is the manifestation of our faith, we hit the ceiling. And so there's this maturation that happens. But it's not just maturing. It's actually experiencing the goodness of Jesus Christ in a way that you would never experience if you weren't willing to go and be the church that goes. So we believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ naturally moves us. So I'm not leaning into you guys in a guilt way. Like, you need to go do this or you're bad. Do you understand? What, I, what I'm saying is, Jesus is good, and here is something. It'd be like if there was a, I, I love Thai food. I honestly, I love it. And there's a restaurant in Omaha. I would, I would go to this restaurant any day of the week with any of you at any time. It's just phenomenal. It tastes great. 
So it's like that invitation to Jesus. Like it tastes great. Come and experience Jesus Christ during the week. He's so much more than just a 30-minute experience on Sunday. He's an hour experience on Sunday. He is so much more that if we let him invade our life, get past those insecurities, we can find that we have a forgiving and gracious and loving Father who knows our life is messy, and that's why he gave us a Savior. And so when we're fearful of letting people into our space because some insecurity props up, if those people come into our space and they, they, they in some way step on those insecurities, then that's, that's a conversation to be had. So if I come into your house and I'm like, man, it really is messy in here. Like, when's the last time you changed the litter box? I mean, this is, you know, if I say something like that to you, then there, that's, that's not the love of Christ. You know what I mean? Do we, do we get that? So that's possible. But the reality of that happening that should not be the case. And so we believe here at City Life, our mission is to multiply disciples and multiply churches. And we structure ourselves around a gathered public, but a gathered private. So there's both of those. Does that make sense? And so I'm leaning in a little bit upon this part because that culture hasn't yet taken root. Our city group culture hasn't yet grabbed a hold of our culture here in this church and our culture in our community. And so I don't mean that in a way to make you guys feel guilty. Those of you are like, man, I'm not been faithfully attending a city group right now and I feel really guilty. That's not, look, I love you and I don't want to motivate by guilt, okay? Because that just wears you out. That burns you out. I'll, I'll, I'm trying to invite. Does that make sense? Some of you guys are like, man, I'm ready to walk out of the room right now. And so that's not what I want. I'm not trying to guilt anybody. It's like that type of restaurant. Man, there's something really good I want you to experience. I want you to experience the grace of Jesus Christ in the fellowship and intimacy of a community. And so when a church gathers and they worship and exalt Jesus Christ, when they do that, there's something that naturally that happens. is disciples are formed. And so our vision, our mission is to multiply disciples in churches, right? So here's the test. Make it really easy. The vision... Multiply disciples in churches. Isn't that beautiful? It's the same thing. Like, if we have a test, it's the same answer. I love that, right? It's just, it doesn't get any easier than that. Um, but here's the thing about vision. We live in a community, in a town, that has seen a lot of death. We've seen jobs come and go. We've seen friends move on and never come back. Two stores in Red Oak have just closed in the last year. And so do you realize vision is a very dangerous endeavor. Because when you have vision, what happens is you have hope. And we have vision because we have hope in Jesus Christ. We can have expectations because of the promises of Jesus Christ. And so we will live countercultural to the community around us because we are those who will live dangerously for Jesus and say we have hope, we have vision. Because one of the things we've learned in our community is if you have hope, what's going to happen? It's going to be smashed, right? You should have known better. If you want things to happen, move to the city around here. It's the status quo. That's not the case. We are people who are going to change our culture. We're going to be brave enough to have vision and hope. We are going to be risky people. Does that make sense? 
We're going to be people who say our faith is in Jesus Christ, therefore our trust is in Him. So we're going to have a vision and expectation that disciples are going to be raised up. We're not going to have a community or church that is going to accept the death. We're going to expect life and hope. When we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we expect it to go out and not return void. When we faithfully love those who love Jesus, we expect that to be to, to love then to manifest itself. Let me ask you guys this. How many of you plan to plant a garden this year? Anybody? Two? Okay, a few of you? Man, you guys, no one likes fresh food in this? <laughs> yes. Who wants to plant a garden? A garden, food, plant it? Just follow me for a second, Mary, okay? I won't lose you, I promise. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to plant a garden, okay? I've tried, and it's just... I need help. I'm just going to throw that out there. So if anybody wants to help, you can. But when I plant a garden, I'm going to take some seeds. I'm going to put them in the soil. And I'm going to have a lot of seeds. And I overplant because it just doesn't turn out well. But I I have an expectation, as some of you will, when you plant a seed, what what do you expect to happen? To grow, right? We have expectations. God has put within us a natural expectation expectation of when a seed is planted for there to be growth. When we see a couple who struggles with infertility, what we naturally, in our heart, like that tugs on our heartstrings, right? Because we know that there's goodness. There's something good in experiencing multiplication. There's something good that's experienced in birth. There is something within us that says we expect growth, Right? And so every year when the insects come and they annihilate my pumpkin plants and the rabbits come and they conquer my lettuce, past the anger and the rage, I am disappointed because I had expectations of having pumpkins that were just going to be beautiful. They were just going to be, they were going to be perfect, right? And my lettuce was going to be so crisp and good. I'm glad the rabbits enjoyed it, but that's not, that wasn't my expectation, Right? It's just sort of a bunny trail, but um, I almost went Caddyshack on rabbits one year, and, um, and some of you guys don't quite understand that, but that's okay. So I went to the store, and I, I bought fencing, put it around, and they were still getting through. So I bought an extra layer of fencing and put it around. There's no way these rabbits are getting in this garden at all. This, this is it. And I tried training my nicest golden retriever ever in the world to attack rabbits. And I'd be like, go, go kill, go kill. And she would just sit there and look at me. And she, didn't, like, she wasn't going to go kill anything. She was a sweet dog. And so one day I look out there and I see this rabbit in my garden. I'm like, are you kidding me? I just spent like $300 on fencing so I could have $10 worth of lettuce, you know? <laughs> like, that's, that, that you cannot have that. That is expensive lettuce. And so I go out there with my garden rake, and this is not a good moment. I'm glad, like, nobody was filming. And I, I'm chasing this rabbit. Or, like, it's, like, it's like Peter Rabbit, McGregor type of scene. And I'm chasing it, and this thing runs full speed. And I'm not kidding. Does this jump thing and goes through the fence like an acrobat, like it didn't even exist. And I just stood there, and I thought, I'm glad I spent $300 on fencing. Because that didn't make any sense. Like, how does he contort his... It what, didn't even hit a beat. just went right through that. And so sometimes we get those circumstances, but the gospel gives you and me an expectation of growth, right? And so when that stuff happens, we can say, man, that just doesn't make sense. 
And so we expect disciples to be formed simply by loving and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. By loving one another. It's pretty simple, pretty foundational. The church gathered. And you see what, the, what, what happened day by day, they added to their number. Do you know the, the beautiful thing here is uh, when, you, when you have disciples, when God adds to your fold, at some point, somebody has to move out. Like, if we keep having kids, we either got to get a bigger house or, you know, I mean, at some point, when you age, you mature, somebody's got to move out, right? Those of you empty nesters, you're probably like, amen. Um, no? You guys are like, no, we want them back. We want all of our kids back in our house for them never to move out. <laughs> Maybe. But there's this natural moving out, right? And so if we're doing what we expect to do, if the vision is being lived out, then we're going to multiply churches. We're going to see churches planted. As we raise up disciples, as we see those who mature in Jesus Christ, we're going to pray that God does something in their heart, puts something in their mind, where they say, man, I want to go make the gospel known here. And then what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate that, and we're going to invest in that, and we're going to send them out. And so when we naturally follow Jesus Christ, we have an expectation, right? Like that seed going in the garden. We have that expectation that something would be raised up and something would happen. And so we're going to be people who are going to be risky and hopeful. Not because of our work, but because of what Jesus has promised us. And our expectation is that as we faithfully live out the implications of the gospel in our life, every day of the week, that disciples would be formed. That you guys would be able to tell others of your faith and express your love to them in such a way that they would come to trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You get to experience the joy of that. And as that happens, our house will be made full and we'll say, somebody's got to move out. Let's plant a church. And so Southwest Iowa, City Light Southwest Iowa, exists to um, multiply disciples, but multiply churches. Do you realize how brazen that is? We live in a town of 475, and we're saying that we're going to impact, City, City Light's going to impact Southwest Iowa. The churches are going to be planted out of here. You know that can only happen if God moves? Isn't that beautiful? We have a vision that can only happen if God wills it. We can't do it. If we said our vision is to paint this wall gray, pretty easy to do. If our vision is to paint these chairs, you wouldn't want to paint these chairs, but you get it. We could do that. But only God could do that. And so we are going to be people who trust in Jesus Christ, unlike in Tommy Boy. We're not going to live a meaningless life. And you know what's interesting is Tommy Boy in that movie had a, had a kind of a defining moment. The defining moment came at the death of his father. In, in Mark chapter 8, this isn't up there. I just want you to listen to this. It says this. When Jesus, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, whatever, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. So we pick up our cross and we follow Jesus. Death has a way of revealing to you and me what is essential in life. You know, in, in the army, one of the things we do is we call people who've laid down their life for another person a hero, right? And Jesus calls us to lay down our life. And I'm not in any way saying I'm equating to those who have served. That's not what I'm, what I'm saying. But there's something that's scary in losing your life and trusting in Jesus Christ. And if we're honest, that's why we don't want him to invade our personal space. That's why we don't want to give him our Monday or Tuesday. 
But Jesus is trustworthy. He can save our Monday and our Tuesday. We've given him our Sunday, but let's give him the rest of our week. Let's give him our private life. So we pick up our cross and we follow him daily. Because when we die, die to ourselves, that has a way of revealing to us what is really essential. But it gives us an experience or an opportunity to experience Jesus' love in such a way that we would not have had we had held on to our life. And so I used to pray with people. When I would pray with younger people, I would pray, God, would you help them to live a healthy and full life? But I started to pray this prayer. God, would you help them to live the life that you have set before them? And so my prayer for each of you here is that you would live the life that Jesus has for you because it would be exponentially better than anything you've ever experienced. And that's what we believe. So as we go, as we serve, we have a Savior who's trustworthy to give Him the entirety of our life. So our mission and vision is to multiply disciples and churches. We gather publicly, we gather privately. We give Jesus all of ourselves, and we hold nothing back. And we say, man, how beautiful this is. Does that make sense? Right? I was fearful today would be like a teaching clipboard type of thing. And some of you guys are like, you know, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I was hoping it wouldn't be too boring. So the next few weeks, I hope that you just you get engaged and you say, man, these are my people. This is what we're about. So when we go out, we can articulate who City Light is and what City Light's about. We're about Jesus Christ, if you want to make it really simple. That's what we're about. I want to pray, and then, and then after I pray, we're going to turn our heart to communion. So would you join me? Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you that, Lord, you have called us to something that is better than ourselves. that you have called us to a life, Lord, that we never could have imagined. Uh, Lord, I thank you that you've called us. I think that there are sons and daughters here whom you love and whom you care about. I thank you that there are people here, Lord, who your voice is drawing to something that is better than they could have imagined. Lord, I thank you that we get to gather publicly, that I have people here that will be seen in public with me. I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you there are people who invited me into their private lives. I thank you that, Lord, you are a Savior who invades our space because you love us and you care about us. Lord, I thank you that you have given us a mission and a vision. And I ask that, Lord, that would be cemented upon our hearts, that it would become something that's contagious and stirs within our soul. I pray for everybody here that they would say, Lord, I want to be a part of creating disciples. I want to experience the excitement of seeing churches planted. I want to see the kingdom of darkness pushed back as the gospel goes forward because of Jesus Christ and your Holy Spirit moving. I think you've invited us into something that is so exciting, Lord, we could have never imagined we would be a part of it. So, Lord, I ask that we would be willing to die to ourselves and live in you, that we would pick up our cross and follow you daily. Lord, whatever you lead, wherever you call us, we would say we're going to go. We're either church that are going to be a light to the communities around us. We are the people who are going to go. We're going to be the people who are going to lay down our life and sacrifice so others might know the love of Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask that you would stir our hearts. Lord, that you would captivate our minds, that our hearts and our life would be bent towards you and for you. So, Lord, I offer us up to you as an offering and say, Lord, would you use us? Would you pour out your favor on us? Would you find us worthy? Would you trust us with those who have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? And let us, Lord, steward that and be faithful. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, that he hung on the cross, that through him our sins are forgiven. 
Lord, and as we take communion, I pray that our hearts would be reminded of your work in such a way that it renews and refreshes. That we could be reminded that you paid for our forgiveness. That your blood was shed. That your body hung on the cross, Lord, so that we wouldn't have to. You received the condemnation and wrath of God so that we wouldn't have to. You took on death and conquered it, Lord, so that you could give us life. Lord, I ask that that would be impressed upon us. Pray for this and we ask in Jesus' name.